Hello and welcome into another episode of the College Esports Quick Take and the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, with these Friday feature episodes, if I have a great guest, I'm going to be publishing it first on the College Esports Quick Take feed and then later on on the Esports Network podcast feed. So if you come from the Esports Network podcast and you enjoy these conversations, be sure to follow the College Esports Quick Take if you want the loadout on all things college esports it's these long interviews and it's also daily segments covering top stories academic studies and program spotlights around the college esports industry so be sure to follow that feed if you want to learn more and today we're talking to a great guest what i'm really excited about we're talking to ashley jones better known in esports as aj she's the head coach of park university esports Park University is a private school with a student body of just over 10,000 located outside of Kansas City, Missouri. They compete, their varsity program competes in Rocket League, Overwatch, League of Legends, and now Valorant. The program started in spring of 2019 and has been run by Ashley since it was founded. When I was talking with Doc Haskell from Boise State for the show a few weeks ago, he was singing the praises of a lot of people in college esports, but especially AJ. So I'm excited to welcome her to the show. AJ, thanks for coming on. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So starting off broad with the first question, what made you want to get into college esports a few years ago? Yeah, so I think for me, it started, uh, it really started with getting into uh, getting in video games myself. Uh, video games were definitely a way for me to connect with, you know, with my with my cousins and my family when I was younger. And then when I was in college is actually when uh, the game League of Legends first came out. So a lot of my friend group from uh, college actually was the group of people that I played League of Legends with. So um, being able to see League of Legends, you know, start out um, and then grow into the huge LCS and, you know, worldwide, you know, phenomenon that it is today. Um always really excited me, always something that I was really interested in. So after I had graduated, I went to the University of Florida. After graduating, I, I continued to work at UF. So um, seeing my passion for esports and higher education sort of coming together in the collegiate esports world, um, I knew that that was something that I would, uh, you know, be able to really enjoy. So uh, that's kind of how, how and why I started pursuing it. It's crazy the amount of people who are new to the esports industry who really got there through college experiences. And that was the same thing for me. I was always a huge gamer, but I never re wasn't really on my radar until I got to my dorm room and I found somebody else who was a really good at Super Smash Bros. Melee. And we played hours upon hours <laughs> in that dorm room mm -hmm. uh, to the point where we started getting cocky. And then we started... <laughs> seeking out bigger competitions and then mm -hmm. i walked out and we we organized like a dorm uh all the dorms got together they had little re like mini tournaments and then they all got together and we won ours because we knew we were the best in our dorm we show <laughs> up there uh and i don't remember the kid's name i'm pretty sure he was a foreign exchange student the kid um, i don't he didn't say a word to me but he mopped me four stocks no question uh, and <laughs> It was an important wake-up call for <laughs> for as good as you think you are. There are people who are a whole lot better. Uh, oh, but that was yeah. kind of a moment where I remember being like, "Oh, this was fun," and also, mm -hmm. "Wow, 
that kid mm-hmm. was so good at this game. Uh, and that, that was a moment for me where I think and that's where I think it started. And then it continued throughout my four years as I was doing sports broadcasting. I was still following esports, looking at it. And then by my senior year, uh, that was when Tespo was really taking off and it already existed. And I was playing Hearthstone. And so I competed in Tespa Hearthstone. And I remember going down the list. And now our audience is so sick of this origin story. They've heard it so many times. Uh, you go down the list and you see 400 colleges all competing at Hearthstone. And then you wow. look through all the other games. And I'm like, oh, this is massive. This is really just a massive phenomenon. I need to be a part of it. And that's kind of what pushed me out of sports and into esports coming out of school. And I feel like a lot of people who have had this initial esports understanding got their first glimpse of it in college due to that environment and just sort of the way it puts you with other really passionate gamers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. As a college esports infrastructure, and what was crazy about it too, is that it was completely student run for me at the time. There was no, now the University of Oregon, as we covered in the program spotlight this week, actually has an esports lounge. They have an esports program. Uh, they have shoutcasting program through our student TV network. They didn't have any of that when I was a kid. What does it mean for universities to embrace esports and to really give students a place to uh, put their passion that they have under the banner of the university and compete with each other in better environments? Yeah, I I think that, you know, like you said, this, you know, wasn't something that was, you know, varsity programs weren't around when when we were in higher ed. So, um, you know, having it be recognized by the university, giving the opportunity for, you know, athletes to to play, to get scholarships, to um, learn more about, you know, different esports careers that they could get into. Um, you know, I think it's huge for the universities to sort of step into this world and and give these give these students and give these athletes um you know a a platform in which they they may want to pursue one day you know i think i've had i've had at least a handful of athletes that have come through the program and you know when they first get into the program you know they're you know a vast majority are computer science and you know they either want to get into uh you know uh security they want to get into uh, maybe software uh, engineering, but, you know, uh, quite a few of them have changed their mind and they, they come up to me and they're like, Hey, I want to do what you do. You know, what, how do I get there? What is, what's kind of my, my road to get there. So I just think the ability for universities to give these students, you know, a, a, a path to, to, you know, this, you know, really exciting and ever growing career field, you know, I think, you know, that's, that's the best thing that we could do for the students. I, whenever I talk to teachers, old professors, people who reach out and want to talk about esports, that's always what I come back to is it's it's a great industry for students because one, you're passionate about it, and two, it's growing. And there's plenty of room for it for you to make your mark in it or to find a job in it that makes sense. Now, it's not always the mm-hmm. most stable profession out there, uh, but it's fun. And that's yeah. why I recommend it to a lot of students who, who I talk to, because it's all you can really ask. And if you really are passionate about it, it's a great chance to showcase that passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to switch gears a little bit. And this week has been, well, a pretty good week for a couple of reasons. Uh, but one thing that 
stood out to me as I was watching in the esports world this week was C9 White, Cloud9's entirely female Valorant team. And they just destroyed Renegades, an all-male team, in the WSW qualifier. They broke into the top 25 on the Valorant team rankings. And I think for Park University, you're obviously a female uh, head coach and you also have three female players on your roster and I wish that wasn't as unique as it unfortunately is in college mm-hmm. esports what can college esports be doing to bring more women into college programs and to hopefully help uh, push more women into the top flight of all these various esports where we've seen a few people break in uh, but not nearly to the level that we could or probably should be saying yeah I, you know I think you know, kind of with, you know, myself being a female, I do think that, you know, helps draw those individuals to the program to begin with. Um, it, it is pretty cool that we do have three, um, you know, female athletes on our roster. Um, you know, that's, you know, my Overwatch team is 50-50 split down the middle for gender, which, like you said, uh, you know, is, is, is a bit unheard of. So, you know, I, I think the best thing that I always, you know, and I and I do this with with any, you know, recruit or you know, prospective student that I talk to is, um, you know, just trying to let them know that this is, you know, it's a it's an environment where they can thrive. It's an environment that's safe for them. Um, you know, not only do I have, you know, a, a larger amount of females than some other programs do, but also, you know, just members of you know, different communities, you know, I've got um, a couple of students, you know, from I've got one from the Ukraine, I've got one from Slovakia, um, I've got, you know, members on the team that are part of the LGBTQ plus um, area. So, um, you know, I think it's just important for them to know that they're entering a space that, um, that they know is safe, that they're gonna, um, you know, be able to be themselves, really, I think, at the end of the day, if they're able to feel like they can be themselves, you know, surrounded by other like-minded individuals and they're all in it together to, to, to get better, um, you know, at their games, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the magic recipe. So, um, you know, just creating that safe environment for them, I think is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's good to have a, a place where a marginalized person can go because a lot of marginalized people end up spending quite a bit of time on the internet as sort of a safe place and uh, esports as a whole has not always been a very safe or inclusive environment for a lot of people and I think it's something that really needs to change going forward and we're starting to see it but we're also seeing tons of toxicity uh, tons of pushback Mm -hmm. on uh, whatever it comes out and it's just unfortunate thing to see because esports like you said could be truly co-ed at the highest levels we could have close to a 50 50 split uh Mm -hmm. between men and women and we've seen women be very successful at hearthstone in particular with a couple Mm -hmm. uh women being absolutely talented hafu it just dominates twitch rivals whatever she wants to play in uh Mm -hmm. rocket league karma has broken into the rlcs uh here and there and is pretty well regarded as one of the best players of the game uh, we had Gaguri in the Overwatch League, uh, and now C9 White and sort of this history of CSGO women's teams transitioning into Valorant. And, you know, we're not going to see CSGO in college esports programs. I'm not holding my breath for that. But we are seeing Valorant. And I'm mm-hmm. curious, uh, 
just from your perspective as somebody who's uh, in charge of games in four different genres, why is uh, why is CSGO and Valorant had more women historically, if you could answer that question? And how does Valorant becoming part of college esports programs possibly open up uh, opportunities for more women in these programs as well? Yeah, so that that's actually pretty pretty funny. And I think that, you know, I, I heard a statistic, um, I think a week or two ago, that um, the kind of the most played... Um, I don't remember where the source came from, but like the two top most played like competitive video games that that women are playing are CSGO and NBA 2K, which, you know, I think, yeah, right. So and I think a lot of people would, you know, I think they would throw out the the overwatches of the world, they would throw out the Hearthstones before they would even think of CSGO or NBA 2K. So um, I think that I, I think it just gives them an opportunity and especially for Valorant, it gives them an opportunity to um, play kind of the, the first person shooter within the collegiate setting. I mean, there are some schools that do have CSGO collegiate teams, um, you know, with us in, in particular, you know, the realistic gun violence is not, you know, something that we're pursuing at this time, but Valorant is kind of a good, you know, kind of a good filler um, for kind of that first person shooter experience that some of the students are looking for. So, um, you know, CSGO, who knows, you know, it may, it may continue to, to get some traction, but I think that the, the more, um, I would say university friendly Valorant and also just the, um, you know, it just coming out much more recently than CSGO, I think is also what's sort of driving the hype and getting, um, you know, getting more students um, interested in it. Just uh, getting admins on board with video games in general is tough enough, not mm-hmm. even more so when you include the word terrorist into a core function of the game. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, I as I'm talking with Doc and I've done these program spotlights for the last six months. And so I've gone through the last maybe 15 of the biggest uh, mm-hmm. esports programs, including Park. And it's it's pretty clear there's a big three games that exist yeah. in college esports programs and they're overwatch rocket league and league of legends absolutely uh, you're gonna see programs with just those three games if they have more games they'll probably have definitely those three games uh, if they mm-hmm. have less games it'll probably be two of those games uh and so that's kind of where i've seen it and i think valorant is on its way to becoming the fourth of that big three and then you know mm-hmm. that's just uh, kind of all encompassing people who have Fortnite rosters. There's people who have sports sim players. There's people who yeah. have uh, other Battle Royale, Apex, PUBG. I haven't seen a ton of PUBG, to be honest. But uh, that's uh, maybe some Call of Duty here and there. But generally, it's those three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that debate about violence is definitely a large part of the reason why. Do you think that's something we see changing in the future? Or is it going to be just sort of like, hey... We're not going to do that, especially as more major institutions like your Mizzou's, your uh, Utah's, the people that have to answer to uh, much higher admins, I guess, like the smaller mm-hmm. programs can get away. Uh, who's the one with 10 varsity programs? Sorry, I'm rambling now. Uh, I think that's... <laughs> oh, there's one. There's one. Anyways, uh, are, are we going to see those game titles expand or are people really focusing on, hey, these are the titles we do and we want to do them really well right now. 
you know, I think that I, I think that the the longer that collegiate esports is a thing, the more universities that get on board, the more that it you know receives uh, traction, and it's not so much of a of a taboo. You know, I think that there's still some there's still some folks out there that don't really believe in it. Um, I, I think that once we once we get past that, once we're a lot more established, you know, I think that the skies are the limits. And I I believe that, you know, once once we get to that place and once the universities really start buying into these programs and properly supporting these programs, um, you know, uh, you know, there's still, of course, especially with like your more faith based institutions, that may be a hard sell. Um, you know, but I think that the more the more time that goes on, we'll we'll probably see some more of those being uh, being allowed and permitted by administration. Definitely. And it's interesting how much of how many of the varsity programs that exist right now are coming from those faith based institutions, those smaller institutions. You wouldn't. <laughs> Maybe have guessed it uh, prior to it to the takeoff, but uh, for example, at the University of Oregon campus, the University of Oregon basically surrounds another university called Northwest Christian, and Northwest Christian's had a varsity program for like two or three years now. Uh, University of Oregon is not touching it, so it I find it interesting that some of those smaller faith-based institutions are actually doing quite a bit of leading the way uh, in esports, and that actually might bring up this new this other conversation topic. So it's something that I've been very fascinated about. The second I got somebody who worked for a college esports program in Missouri, I said I was going to ask them about this. And it's Missouri is just one of the leaders in college esports. Uh, you were helping me with some of the ones before, but I knew Maryville and St. Louis, a powerhouse, University of uh, Columbia, Missouri, not to be confused with Columbia, the Ivy League, uh, also a powerhouse. And then Mizzou, University of Missouri itself, having one of the few Power Five varsity programs. Uh, and you also highlighted that Central Methodist, the University of Central Missouri, Drury University, and the University of St. Mary's, all in addition to Park University, also have varsity esports programs in the state of Missouri. And my dad's from St. Louis, and I've got a soft spot for the state, but I wouldn't have guessed it would be on the forefront of collegiate esports. Why, in your experience, have you seen the state really take off as a leader in college esports? Is it a coincidence or is there something the state is doing or the structure around that is allowed all these varsity programs to take off? Yeah, there, there is a surprising number of us, uh, you know, within the state that, you know, have these collegiate programs and a lot of us have been doing it for a while there are still there are still ones that 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 pop up at, you know as as the years go on but a lot of us have been established programs for two plus years at this point so you know I, I think for 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 us specifically I think one of the driving factors is the amount of schools in the state doing it I think is what's helping more schools in the state do it um you know if they're able to see schools, um, you know, within their traditional athletic conferences going for it, um, you know, our athletic conferences in the NAIA, um, so is so is uh, Central Methodist and so is uh, Baker University. So all of these other universities that are within the NAIA that are already doing esports, I think is helpful just to kind of have that support system and to have you know, to already have contacts at those schools to be like, oh, hey, you know, how are you doing this? How, how, did, how did you get here? So 
I think just the support within the state and within collegiate esports entirely, I, I think has what's been beneficial for our region specifically. Uh, I think another driving factor is just the people that we have within the state itself. So, you know, within within Kansas City specifically, you know, that's the headquarters, that's the national office for NACE. Uh, you also have uh, the headquarters of High School Esports League also within Kansas City. So I think there's a lot of major players within the collegiate esports world that are also housed within the state. So um, I think the support of, of those uh, those players in the, in the space and I think the um, the surrounding institutions has really helped, you know, cultivate sort of a, a surprisingly long list for schools in the state of Missouri and, and also Kansas as well. Interesting. It all radiates out from NACE and the high school esports league. That's a that's a really interesting point as well when you have uh, a program like the high school esports league and suddenly you're comp- I mean, you're basically competing for students generally in one uh, geo-localized area where this is where most of our students are coming from. If more and more of the people around you start to have esports programs and people from the high school esports league are going to those students, you almost have to play catch up a little bit. And it might highlight sort of what this looks like as we go forward, where Missouri is one of the first dominoes to drop and then... As it continues expanding, we see more and more, and it really just takes that central location, in this case, High School Esports League and NACE, uh, just sort of radiates from around there. Is that something that we might see around the nation, and Missouri is just an early adopter? I, you know, I think that's a, I think it's a possibility. Um, Also, kind of like within the Kansas City area specifically, uh, recently, within the past year or so, the uh, Kansas City Esports Coalition has has been formed. So, you know, that is a an organization made up of, you know, a bunch of the 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 people that I had mentioned earlier, um, you know, and we're trying to, uh, you know, trying to start to create that that pipeline for individuals, for students, uh, you know, for kids just starting out, you know, wanting to to get into esports as a career, you know, you've got the high school esports league, and then you've got, you know, us as an institution, you've got NACE, and then you've got, you know, different uh, esports uh, organizations within Kansas City itself that will, would be offering careers to those individuals. So, you know, you can you can be in the Midwest and do esports things. You know, it's not solely um, on the West Coast or on, on the East Coast. You know, we're trying to we're trying to help the Kansas City area and also just the Midwest sort of be be, be a beacon for, for esports. I love it. I love it. I was going out to St. Louis every summer growing up. And so I've got a got a soft spot for the Midwest and <laughs> living on the coast. Uh, it's so many people see it as flyover country and it's not. There's so many right. interesting things happening. Uh, Kansas City, especially, is just an awesome city with the best barbecue ever, in my personal opinion. I know that's probably very contentious. I'm going to lose more. I'm going to lose more listeners than, for that than I did for celebrating the inauguration yesterday. I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> Well, I agree. Best barbecue. Agreed. <laughs> um, I just lost my train. Okay. Uh, you mentioned high school esports league. It actually brings up something that I kind of skipped over a little bit earlier. One of our most popular shows we've ever done on this uh, program was with a youth esports league, the XP League. 
And I found it really interesting is just sort of how growing up, I competed in a bunch of, like most of my friends, just random sports that my parents threw me into. Didn't really even have much of a choice in it. And I there was pretty core memories and some core friendships that, that grew out of that. And I'm curious just sort of how we see the infrastructure going from sort of working backwards, right? We started with college esports, then high school esports through Playverse, and the high school esports league started becoming uh, a lot more ubiquitous around the country and now we have youth esports working how are we going to see that whole pipeline the sort of the educational esports pipeline have an impact on esports especially as it relates to inclusivity uh, and that topic we were had previously where we see hey we can have these programs be co-ed from an early age the xp league is co-ed of course because there's no reason not to be uh, and how are we going to see that really impact esports going forward as the next crop of gamers is used to playing in co-ed environments uh, from a pretty early age? Well, you know, I do hope that it starts to uh, sort of get rid of the, of the just general toxicity that you do see within, um, not even just within esports, just, just getting into games, you know? I actually, one of my players this past week, one of my female players this past week said, you know, I, I was playing I was playing Overwatch over the weekend and this this one person heard my voice, you know, obviously I, I, I'm a female and she just got ridiculed by all the rest of her teammates just in a random comp game and she said that it just like ruined her whole day. She got really upset over it. So like I'm I'm hoping that if, you know, we're able to 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 get into the the youth space, if we're able to begin molding it like you said in, in a co-ed fashion you know that that can only try to help us with the the toxicity that's seen rampant you know throughout just you know normal competitive play in these video games so you know that's that's my my number one hope is you know trying to just trying to continue to create a, a, a space where everybody feels welcome and you know there's so many I do you know there's so many students and 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 just women out there that that play video games and are even just afraid to turn on their mics and talk to their teammates in normal competitive play because of the awful, you know, whiplash that they've had from it, from, you know, people making fun of them, calling them names. So um, just to be able to get past that, to create a safe space, I think is, you know, would be number one. <laughs> That's definitely what I would want to see. Absolutely. I mean, it's no, it's no uh, controversial opinion to tell that, hey, esports right to play is super toxic. doesn't matter who you are. The general vibe is toxicity. And then the second that you introduce something that's off the, the quote unquote norm, which like a female voice, that toxicity ramps up very quickly. It starts touching on misogyny and all these other uh, really big issues fueled mm -hmm. by anonymous voice chat. I mean, it, it's true of any esport in general and any yeah. video game. And so it's something that needs to change. And I hope that having more opportunities for kids to play in person with other people is going to go a long way in doing that. Because those same people are cowards. They wouldn't say that to somebody's face. That's mm -hmm. not, they're, they're just acting out out of the pure, like, they have their own safe space of anonymity to be toxic from. And that they're also going to, like, crap on safe spaces even though they are using a true safe space to be an asshole with it so mm -hmm. uh, 
it's something that needs to change and i think it's something that hopefully is going to and yeah. seeing just the more representation we have of this is great lately i've been seeing on tiktok i've been seeing some uh female streamers who basically been using it to their advantage somebody shit talks them it gives some cliched thing and then their entire tiktok is them just absolutely smoking their entire team and it's got like 150,000 likes so i'm like yes let's turn that let's turn that back you get that pub on that they're toxic to you just yeah them out but they shouldn't have to deal with that toxicity in the first place but if you're going to have to deal with it we'll make a fool out of them and get your likes out of it get your exposure out of it at the very least oh yeah i and you know i think you know some sometimes it is it is easy to be able to, you know, and before I had gotten this job, you know, I, I streamed regularly and, you know, people in games saying words that they shouldn't be saying people in Twitch stream, obviously saying things that they shouldn't be saying, you know, you know, some days that you are able to tune it out and some days that you, you are able to, you know, kind of poke fun at these individuals and make light of it. And, you know, some days, we're stronger people than, than we were the day before. So, um, you know, being able to just kind of continue to, to, to push through that and, and, and just try to help make the better space and also just have allies as well. You know, there are, you know, I, I think that the athletes that I do have, I think they, I think they have a, a different viewpoint for female gamers. You know, their, their teammates are gamers. Their, their coach is, is a female gamer. So, um, you know, I, I think finding different allies in, in your teammates, um, you know, is is also going to be beneficial moving forward as well. Definitely, definitely. And you're right. You make a great point where it doesn't we don't have to change every single person. We just need to balance the scales a bit more. So when somebody is toxic, the immediate response is a bunch of people being like, stop that. What are you doing? Hey, right. you're you're the one getting made fun of. So that's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have to root out every single bad apple, but we need to get enough people who are talking, who, who will stand up and defend and be allies that we can yeah. create better spaces. And where yeah. it's like, it's not, it's easier to deal with the one when, sorry, I got to stop. <laughs> I'm going to have to bleep myself all over this place. <laughs> get fired up about this. Um, <laughs> or as long as they, it's easier to deal with that one person uh, when you have four people who stand up immediately in your defense, it's easier to rub right. that person off and be like, oh, well, they suck, but the, most people don't. So exactly. that's a big difference. All right, mm -hmm. so we got to get off this topic before my editing becomes even worse. <laughs> uh, it just frustrates me. Uh, <laughs> I, and the final question I want to ask you, we're at 30 minutes here, I want to be conscious of your time, is that this year has been the year of the new college esports platform. Uh, it felt like for me, we went from maybe four or five organizers to like a full dozen companies, uh, developers running college esports programs. As a head coach, how do you navigate the various competitions in the various esports to put your players in the best spots possible, especially when the environment is pretty rapidly changing? Like we saw CSL was a leader in this space. They get sold to play five sports. Uh, their execs are leaving left and right. I just saw EFUSE poached one of them and I'm not sure where they're going from now. So how do you navigate those competitions? How much of that is your role uh, to make sure that your players are competing in the best competitions uh, that are out there right now? 
Yeah. So, so for us here at Park, you know, our first um, our first priority is we prioritize our NACE tournaments since we are a member of NACE. You know, out of all of the uh, tournaments that we have been a part of, you know, the the NACE tournaments, in in our opinion, are the the most well run. Um, you know, we're other university varsity programs facing off other varsity programs. So, you know, it, it cuts down on a lot of the, uh, you know, having to play against club sports, which sometimes don't have university staff oversight. It, it cuts down on the amount of no call, no shows for your team. So um, for us, kind of NACE is our, our number one priority. You know, we kind of think of that as like our tournament for the year. Um, there are other tournaments, of course, that we do participate in, um, you know, Seawall for League of Legends. Again, that's kind of the uh, League of Legends tournament. So, you know, that one is one that we always participate in during the spring semester. Uh, for Rocket League specifically, we do have um, we do have a very good team. You know, we've been very successful in the past uh, within the NACE tournaments for Rocket League. Uh, so for Rocket League, we also uh you know, take the CRL qualifiers very seriously. We're hoping to uh, get into CRL this semester. If we don't get in, we will certainly be very, very close. Um, but I think by next fall, you know, we'll be one of the, the few teams that are um, in CRL. So, you know, that's another tournament that has, um, you know, good quality programs, you know, it, it's run really well. Um, and then for Overwatch, you know, with, with TESPA now being, rebranded, you know, for Overwatch, you know, we're having to um, try to figure out what we're going to do for the spring semester. You know, we haven't, um, I personally haven't seen any announcements come out yet uh, of what they're, uh, what Blizzard's going to be filling in for Overwatch for the spring semester. So, um, you know, in, in the fall semester, they focus on our, our NACE tournament since they uh, host that in the fall. And then for spring, we usually do uh, the, the Tesco Overwatch tournament. So, um, you know, we're anxious to see what that may look like for this spring um but in in regards to just trying to find the best quality tournaments you know we are looking for those ones that are you know touted as being you know the lol uh, you know of, of the space and you know also just looking for tournaments where we know that we're going to have quality competition the the tournaments that are going to crack down on no called no shows or crack down on um if you're playing a, a team that may have some toxicity and, and then kind of going through that process as well. So um, really just trying to find good quality competition that the athletes are going to be able to enjoy. They're going to be able to learn from, and they're actually going to be able to, you know, have a sense of accomplishment when they do well. I think that's really all you could ask for is to, Hey, we'll find a tournament and, you know, Overwatch notwithstanding, I, I'm not sure Activision Blizzard totally knows what they're doing with the Overwatch League yet this yeah. year. So college is probably not their immediate priority, but uh, we'll, we'll see about that. In general, the developer-supported esports, uh, college esports, seem to be doing really well. And I'm happy to see developers putting a lot of the focus on that because uh, a company like Riot Games is not going to stand for as much now Riot Games is not a perfect company but they're they're not going to stand for as much toxicity it's going to be a little bit more of like okay hey we're, we're in charge here and we will not hesitate to to kick you out if you're doing something uh poorly you're not upholding the promise that you made to join 
uh, this league or something like that. So I'm, I'm happy to see more developer esports. And then I think that makes a lot of sense. Hey, we're NACE partners. We're going to compete in all of NACE's events. And then we're going to look at the developer supported esports. And that's just a pretty good way of handling what right now is a, a tumultuous esports ecosystem with different tournaments, different leagues popping up uh, seemingly every month. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. And we do love to also participate in our local events as well, you know, kind of give the students that land experience. And for us in Kansas City, when we do have, well, in the before times, in the before the COVID times, <laughs> we have land tournaments, you know, they were in Kansas City. So honestly, the land tournaments usually just turned out to be a bunch of local colleges coming together and playing against one another anyway. So, um, you know, we always looked to add those to our um our schedules as well and you know once the once we're in the after times you know we'll kind of look forward to start doing that again as well there's something a little bit more special about beating the people who are close to you and (laughs) a little more passionate especially in college because rivalries have just driven this space in traditional sports for the longest time and so (laughs) Having those abilities to play against the people who are your literal neighbors, or you might have kids who went to the same high school, uh, adds adds another special level of it. and also creates a better ecosystem at large because you can sort of have uh, individual wins matter so much more than being like, okay, now we're part of a 300 college nationwide tournament. Hopefully we finish in the top 50. Like it's... A little bit harder there. You need to you need to subset it, and uh, it creates a better competitive structure for everybody. Yeah, the local tournaments are great too because they actually get to meet each other. You know, all of the right. you know all of the the sea walls and the naces and the and the tespas. You know, they're we play in our house, they play in theirs, and you know the only interaction they get is you know pregame lobby. So the ability for them to be able to meet students and athletes from other schools that are into what they're doing and, and, and love doing the same thing that they're doing. You know, we've, you know, our athletes have made friends with, you know, a lot of the players from the local schools and, you know, getting them connected and, you know, finding more friends, you know, can't ask for much more. <laughs> you, you really can't, you really can't. And I'm all about in-person esports competitions. It really feels like the next step for esports yes. at large is to let's bring kids especially into physical places in their communities, have them playing side by side uh, with their teammates. And it's just going to improve communication. It's going to improve inclusivity. It's going to reduce toxicity. Uh, and it's going to be more fun, I think, for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. AJ, that's a great note to wrap up this show on. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, anything I didn't ask you about that you want to say about Park University's program, uh, what you want people watching out for, following, looking for in the future? Yeah. uh, So for us, you know, we are uh, looking to add Valorant in the fall. So, you know, we're we're actively recruiting to um, for our fall 21 class, um, not only in Valorant, but for also League of Legends, Rocket League and Overwatch. Um, You know, specifically our Rocket League team is, um, you know, we we picked up a pretty good player here this past uh, over the winter break. You know, we've we've got a few more players that we're looking to recruit for the fall semester. So, you know, we're, we're looking to really ramp. We've already been pretty good at Rocket League, but we're looking to ramp things up, take it to the next level. Um, and our first match is this Saturday. So our first Sea Law match is this Saturday at 3 p.m. So 
You can uh, watch us on, on twitch.tv forward slash park esports at 3 p.m. Central Time. Awesome. I absolutely love that. Watch some college esports matches, everyone. Yeah. It'll give you a good idea of just sort of, hey, this is what it looks like. Also, this is where the skill levels are at. You know, if you're if you're really passionate about being a high school student, you're like, wait, I might be able to to compete in this. You should look into it because there are opportunities out there. This is hasn't developed to the point it is in traditional sports where uh, you have to be just an absolutely insane athlete physical athlete you you might be able to compete and you might be able to find a scholarship if not you could find a program that you really like and enjoy and there's opportunities within those programs as well so be on the lookout for park university especially if you're in that kansas city area you apparently got plenty of programs to choose from uh but if you like rocket league like me be on the lookout for any good rocket league varsity program go compete in a varsity program it's better it's better <laughs> my my Oregon team is in the is in the top ten, but uh, we don't got a varsity program. You're not getting a scholarship there, so I don't know. Go go look at a varsity program like Park University. I'll say it for now. <laughs> awesome, AJ. Thanks for joining the show. It was great talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.